Book Three, Chapter Eight of Last Days of Pompeii. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. Last Days of Pompeii by Edward G. Bulwer Lytton. Book Three, Chapter Eight. Julia seeks Arbaces. The results of that interview. Arbaces was seated in a chamber which opened on a kind of balcony or portico that fronted his garden. His cheek was pale and worn with the sufferings he had endured, but his iron frame had already recovered from the severest effects of that accident which had frustrated his fell designs in the moment of victory. The air that came fragrantly to his brow revived his languid senses, and the blood circulated more freely than it had done for days through his shrunken veins so then he thought the storm of fate has broken and blown over the evil which my lore predicted threatening life itself has chanced and yet i live it came as the stars foretold and now the long bright and prosperous career which was to succeed that evil if i survived it smiles beyond i have passed i have subdued the latest danger of my destiny now I have but to lay out the gardens of my future fate, unterrified and secure. First, then, of all my pleasures, even before that of love, shall come revenge. This Greek boy, who has crossed my passion, thwarted my designs, baffled me even when the blade was about to drink his accursed blood, shall not a second time escape me, but for the method of my vengeance? of that let me ponder well o oh, ate if thou art indeed a goddess fill me with thy direst inspiration the egyptian sank into an intent reverie which did not seem to present to him any clear or satisfactory suggestions he changed his position restlessly as he revolved scheme after scheme which no sooner occurred than it was dismissed several times he struck his breast and groaned aloud with the desire of vengeance and a sense of his impotence to accomplish it while thus absorbed a boy slave timidly entered the chamber a female evidently of rank from her dress and that of the single slave who attended her waited below and sought an audience with arbaces a female his heart beat quick is she young her face is concealed by her veil but her form is slight yet round as that of youth admit her said the egyptian for a moment his vain heart dreamed the stranger might be ione the first glance of the visitor now entering the apartment sufficed to undeceive so erring a fancy true she was about the same height as ione and perhaps the same age true she was finely and richly formed but where was that undulating and ineffable grace which accompanied every motion of that peerless neapolitan the chaste and decorous garb so simple even in the care of its arrangement the dignified yet bashful step the majesty of womanhood and its modesty pardon me that i rise with pain said arbaces gazing at the stranger i am still suffering from recent illness do not disturb thyself o great egyptian returned julia seeking to disguise the fear she already experienced beneath the ready resort of flattery and forgive an unfortunate female who seeks consolation from thy wisdom 
"'Draw near, fair stranger,' said Arbaces, "'and speak without apprehension or reserve.' Julia placed herself on a seat beside the Egyptian, and wonderingly gazed around an apartment whose elaborate and costly luxuries shamed even the ornate enrichment of her father's mansion. Fearfully, too, she regarded the hieroglyphical inscriptions on the walls, the faces of the mysterious images which at every corner gazed upon her, the tripod at a little distance, and, above all, the grave and remarkable countenance of Arbaces himself. A long white robe like a veil half covered his raven locks and flowed to his feet. His face was made even more impressive by its present paleness, and his dark and penetrating eyes seemed to pierce the shelter of her veil and explore the secrets of her vain and unfeminine soul. And what, said his low deep voice, brings thee, O maiden, to the house of the eastern stranger? His fame, replied Julia. In what, he said with a strange and slight smile, canst thou ask, O wise Arbaces, is not thy knowledge the very gossip theme of Pompeii? Some little lore I have indeed treasured up, replied Arbaces, but in what can such serious and sterile secrets benefit the ear of beauty? Alas, said Julia, a little cheered by the accustomed accents of adulation, does not sorrow fly to wisdom for relief? And they who love unrequitedly, are not they the chosen victims of grief? Ha, said Arbaces, can unrequited love be the lot of so fair a form whose model proportions are visible even beneath the folds of thy graceful robe deign o maiden to lift thy veil that i may see at least if the face correspond in loveliness with the form not unwilling perhaps to exhibit her charms and thinking they were likely to interest the magician in her fate julia after some slight hesitation raised her veil and revealed a beauty which but for art had been indeed attractive to the fixed gaze of the egyptian thou comest to me for advice in unhappy love he said well turn that face on the ungrateful one what other love charm can i give thee oh cease these courtesies said julia it is a love charm indeed that i would ask from thy skill fair stranger replied arbaces somewhat scornfully love spells are not among the secrets i have wasted the midnight oil to attain is it indeed so then pardon me great arbaces and farewell stay said arbaces who despite his passion for ione was not unmoved by the beauty of his visitor and had he been in the flush of a more assured health might have attempted to console the fair julia by other means than those of supernatural wisdom stay although i confess that i have left the witchery of filters and potions to those whose trade is in such knowledge yet i am myself not so dull to beauty but that in earlier youth i may have employed them in my own behalf i may give thee advice at least if thou wilt be candid with me tell me then first art thou unmarried as thy dress betokens yes said julia and being unblessed with fortune wouldst thou allure some wealthy suitor i am richer than he who disdains me strange and more strange and thou lovest him who loves not thee i know not if i love him answered julia haughtily 
but i know that i would see myself triumph over a rival i would see him who rejected me my suitor i would see her whom he has preferred in her turn despised a natural ambition and a womanly said the egyptian in a tone too grave for irony yet more fair maiden wilt thou confide to me the name of thy lover can he be pompeian and despise wealth even if blind to beauty he is of athens answered julia looking down ha cried the egyptian impetuously as the blood rushed to his cheek there is but one athenian young and noble in pompeii can it be glaucus of whom thou speakest ah betray me not so indeed they call him the egyptian sank back gazing vacantly on the averted face of the merchant's daughter and muttering inly to himself this conference with which he had hitherto only trifled amusing himself with the credulity and vanity of his visitor might it not minister to his revenge i see thou canst assist me not said julia offended by his continued silence guard at least my secret once more farewell maiden said the egyptian in an earnest and serious tone thy suit hath touched me i will minister to thy will listen to me i have not myself dabbled in these lesser mysteries but i know one who hath at the base of vesuvius less than a league from the city there dwells a powerful witch beneath the rank dews of the new moon she has gathered the herbs which possess the virtue to chain love in eternal fetters her art can bring thy lover to thy feet seek her and mention to her the name of arbaces she fears that name and will give thee her most potent philters alas answered julia i know not the road to the home of her whom thou speakest of the way short though it be is long to traverse for a girl who leaves unknown the house of her father the country is entangled with wild vines and dangerous with precipitous caverns i dare not trust to mere strangers to guide me the reputation of women of my rank is easily tarnished and though i care not who knows that i love glaucus i would not have it imagined that i obtained his love by a spell were i but three days advanced in health said the egyptian rising and walking as if to try his strength across the chamber but with irregular and feeble steps i myself would accompany thee well thou must wait but glaucus is soon to wed the hated neapolitan wed yes in the early part of next month so soon art thou well advised of this from the lips of her own slave it shall not be said the egyptian impetuously fear nothing glaucus shall be thine yet how when thou obtainest it canst thou administer to him this potion my father has invited him and i believe the neapolitan also to a banquet on the day following to-morrow i shall then have the opportunity to administer it so be it said the egyptian with eyes flashing such fierce joy that julia's gaze sank trembling beneath them to-morrow eve then order thy litter thou hast one at thy command surely yes returned the purse-proud julia order thy litter at two miles distance from the city is a house of entertainment frequented by the wealthier pompeians from the excellence of its baths and the beauty of its gardens there canst thou pretend only to shape thy course there 
ill or dying, I will meet thee by the statue of Salinas, in the copse that skirts the garden, and I myself will guide thee to the witch. Let us wait till, with the evening star, the goats of the herdsmen are gone to rest, when the dark twilight conceals us, and none shall cross our steps. Go home and fear not. By Hades, swears Arbaces, the sorcerer of Egypt, that Ione shall never wed with Glaucus. And that Glaucus shall be mine, added Julia, filling up the incomplete sentence. Thou hast said it, replied Arbaces, and Julia, half frightened at this unhallowed appointment, but urged on by jealousy and the peak of rivalship, even more than love, resolved to fulfill it. Left alone, Arbaces burst forth. Bright stars that never lie, ye already begin the execution of your promises, success in love, and victory over foes, for the rest of my smooth existence. In the very hour when my mind could devise no clue to the goal of vengeance, have ye sent this fair fool for my guide? He paused in deep thought. Yes, he said again, but in a calmer voice, I could not myself have given to her the poison that shall indeed be a filter. His death might be thus tracked to my door, but the witch, ay, there is the fit, the natural agent of my designs. He summoned one of his slaves, bade him hasten to track the steps of Julia, and acquaint himself with her name and condition. This done, he stepped forth into the portico. The skies were serene and clear, but he, deeply read in the signs of various change, beheld in one mass of cloud, far on the horizon, which the wind began slowly to agitate, that a storm was brooding above. It is like my vengeance, he said, as he gazed. The sky is clear, but the cloud moves on. End of Book 3, Chapter 8